0: Good morning. How is everybody doing today? Good. Yeah, it's turning out to be a really nice day today. I know earlier this week, we had a couple days of rain, and I always get excited when I see that on the weather, like it's going to be so cozy. And then when I have to go grocery shopping, I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. Um, So the the excitement wears off pretty quickly. I know that when I have outdoor events planned for like kids' birthday parties or e-skate events and it starts to rain, I always take it so personally from God. Like, unbelievable. You knew I had plans today. I mean, even if I didn't pray for it directly, I know you saw the flyer. <laughs> there is a couple months back last year, uh, we went to an NFL game, and it started raining. And it was such a bummer because we went with our whole big Woodrum family. There's like almost 20 of us. It was over in Jacksonville, you know, took a lot of money to get there, and we had to take time off and all that, and it started just pouring down rain in the middle of the football game. So again, I'm just like looking at God, like, uh. And, uh... It was raining, you know, it started sprinkling and then it it rained so bad we had to leave our seats and we went under this awning. And there's a crowd of people, it's really packed, it's loud, and I'm standing there next to my daughter and she goes, oh, "We should pray. We should pray for it to stop raining." And I was I know it's all. Oh. And and I was like, oh. <laughs> "I hesitated. I was like, "Oh, maybe." And the reason was because I thought I don't think this is You know, God doesn't always answer our prayers the the way we want. You know, Uh, what if this doesn't go the way she hopes? And then we're stuck under this awning, and I'm having to explain, like, sometimes God doesn't answer the prayers we want to the way we want him to, but it's important for us to submit to it anyway. And then I feel like God was like, just let her pray. And I'm like, okay, yes, you're right. (laughs) So I was like, "Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, pray. That would be great. And so, again, it's, it's crowded. It's loud. And I watched my daughter just silently just close her eyes this you know and she's praying for it to stop raining and she opens her eyes and we're standing there and I mean 10 seconds later the rain stops, and and the clouds part and it's sunny like it was amazing yeah I wasn't clapping I was like first of all God we're answering weather related prayers now (laughs) noted second of all this was meant to be where I taught her a lesson that you don't answer prayers the way we expect Are you teaching me a lesson now (laughs) that you don't answer prayers the way we expect? You know, we both went there kind of praying like children. I was more like a spoiled brat. And she prayed like a child with an open heart to what God was doing. She was so excited. She went to the whole family. I prayed for it to stop raining. And it stopped. And I think was surprised why she kept seeing me like just give dirty looks up at the (laughs) sky. Today we're going to be reading John chapter 17, and this is going to be the longest recorded prayer that Jesus has in any of the Gospels. And what we're reading today is incredibly special and incredibly personal because it is the very last thing Jesus is going to be saying before religious leaders and Judas show up together to arrest him. So while you go ahead and turn to John chapter 17 in your Bible, uh, I want us to think about this. Jesus knows that he's about to come face to face with the disciple who betrayed him. He knows that he is about to be tortured. He knows that he's about to be publicly humiliated. He knows he's going to be nailed to a cross. You know, my whole house shuts down when I get a paper cut. I'm like, I can't cook dinner. You can't see it, but it burns. And Jesus knows he is hours away from a crown of thorns being placed on his head. So let's think about this. What would you pray for if you knew you were moments away from suffering? If you knew you were moments away from suffering? If I knew that suffering was going to happen and was moments away, I would probably start trying to bargain with God as much as possible. Like, hey, it's not too late. Let's not get too hasty. We can still change this. I'm sure my entire prayer would probably be about myself And be spent just trying to convince God to avoid any pain that was headed my way. So before we start our verses, let's think about what what do we think Jesus is going to pray for? Who do you think Jesus is going to pray for? What direction do we think Jesus is going to take this prayer? Will it be bargaining? You know, last week we read about Jesus telling the disciples to get ready, buckle up. Things are about to get really hard. You're going to have trials and sorrows. But he also tells them that won't be the end of the story. It won't end with grief. We discussed our response to suffering and that even though we might not have control over the suffering we experience, it doesn't mean we don't have control over anything. We still have control over what we choose to trust in, who we choose to trust in. We have control over what we choose to believe. So let's go ahead and jump into verse 1 in chapter 17. Jesus says, uh, or he's about to say that, sorry. (laughs) After saying all of these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, okay, real quick, I thought this was interesting because normally when we pray, we bow our head and close our eyes, and here Jesus is looking up to heaven. So I thought that was interesting. He's looking up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you for you have given him authority over everyone He gives eternal life to each one you have given him I'm trying to click it, but it's not working So we might have to oh you're not supposed to know that yet. Okay, uh Okay, and this is the way to have eternal life to know you the only true god and jesus christ The one you sent on earth sent to earth I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the cross you gave me from this world. To the ones you gave me. Sorry, I need to read the bigger words. To the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on them the message, passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. So, you know, throughout the gospel of John, Jesus has been saying over and over, like, my time has not yet come. The hour is not come. And I wonder how the disciples are feeling after hearing Jesus's warning for what they're about to experience to then watch Jesus look up to heaven and say, Father, the hour has come. You know, I think about like a clock striking midnight, you know, that tone that's being set there. And Jesus says, goes on to say, God, father, glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. And we take this as referring to Jesus's death on the cross and the ultimate moment of glory. Even though all of Jesus's life was glorifying God, all of it was a submission to God's plan, but it was all leading up to this moment. Jesus then goes on to say that this is the way to eternal life to believe in God and to believe in Jesus And this is because Jesus invites us to a relationship that is personal Over and over in this prayer. We read about Jesus referring to God as his father He also says in verses 6 through 8 about how he has been revealing the truth This truth to the disciples and how he's passed the message given to him And this shows us that this relationship wasn't just personal to Jesus. It wasn't a velvet rope set up that Jesus is VIP and we have to stay stay over here and wait for directions and for our next instructions. We are adopted into God's family. We are invited to a personal relationship with Jesus. And you know, this is a truth that sort of washes over me. It's probably one of the biggest things I take for granted about Christianity, the invitation to a personal relationship with Jesus and what that means, and also what Jesus went through to make that relationship happen. One time I was told a while ago by a well-meaning individual who I'm sure they were taught this thing and and thought they were being helpful to teach it to me. It wasn't my dad. (laughs) Um, But uh, it was, they were trying to be helpful, and what they said to me and what they taught me was, when we're going to pray, we need to think of it as entering the throne room of God, that we're bowing down at his feet, and that when we're speaking to him, we need to make sure it's important that we're not rambling on and wasting his time. And I took that as like, oh, okay, so like the God of the universe is busy. We don't want to interrupt him, or, or, or we don't want to just mumble and drag on or not know what we're going to say. And so it was really different from how I was raised and really created a conflict with my prayer life, you know, because there would be things where I'd want to talk to God about certain things, but I didn't want to waste his time. I didn't know if it was important enough or if I didn't know how I was going to say it. I would wait, and try to figure out a way to say it before I bring it to God. And, you know, just, I just don't know about that. <laughs> you know, the Jesus that I read about in the gospels shows a personal family dynamic in his prayers, Yes, we believe God is King and Lord of all and absolutely deserves our respect. But Jesus doesn't go to this prayer with his head down in shame. He looks up to the sky and calls out for his Father. And he calls out to his Father on our behalf. He knows that the cross is on the horizon. And in his prayer, he submits to God's plan. He gives glory back to God through his submission, and he invites us in. You know, I had to eventually let go of that theology when it comes to prayer and that belief that I needed to have, like, succinct, clear, efficient thoughts for them to not be a waste of time. And it's something that now I pray to God about everything. And no one can stop me. You can't stop me. <laughs> and, and that's why God can show me his goodness and encourage humility and hopefully laugh at the stink eye I give up at the sun on a rainy Sunday afternoon at a football game. You know, because if I hadn't prayed about the weather at all those events beforehand... And if I had told my daughter, we don't waste God's time with prayers about the weather, and if I had not looked for him at a football game, I would have missed everything. He had to show me that day. He had to show me. The whole world opens up to us. There are endless possibilities of interaction that can be found in the good moments, in the bad moments, and everything in between when we bring our personal relationship with Jesus to our everyday lives. And this becomes even more impactful when we consider the price that Jesus paid to make that interaction and that relationship possible. When we consider the scars of the loving Father, the scars on his hands that are opened up to us. And let's remember that when we're praying and when we're in those moments of pain, that Jesus doesn't just empathize with our pain. He experienced our pain so that pain and suffering would not and could not be the end to our story. Let's keep reading and see what else Jesus says. This my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they may be made holy by your truth. Jesus prays some pretty powerful things in this section of verses. One thing that stands out to me the most is what he says in verse 15, because it says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. I think one thing we can take away from these verses is that Jesus wants to protect us from evil over and over jesus prays for our protection and jesus talking about the 11 disciples with them he says i protected them and i guarded them and he goes on to say now i give them to you please protect them and make protect them from the evil one and make them holy and this this goes along with what paul says in romans chapter 8 where he talks about jesus interceding on our behalf in romans chapter 8 Starting with verse 34, it says, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We see Jesus' protection and care in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jesus says, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often. I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. We could take it back even further to the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. Jesus is willing and ready to intercede on our behalf. He is ready to offer us protection from evil. He knows that we are in a broken world and he sees the need for protection and care. It might not always be protection from the temporary things we face in this world, like Paul referenced in Romans, but it is protection from the evil one protection from temptation, protecting us like a mother hen scooping up her chicks beneath her wings, keeping us safe while we wait for eternity and paradise with God. Let's keep reading the rest of our chapter today in verse 20, John 17. I am praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So here the prayer is concluded. The next verses reread out of the Gospel of John will be the religious leaders and Judas, walking up to arrest jesus jesus uses these last words to pray and call god a righteous father that's what he uses his last words to do and oh man i want to be like that i want to call god a righteous father on the bad days and the good days and every day in between and in verse 20 jesus says something that is very profound he says that this verse is not only for the disciples who are with him in that moment it is for all who will ever believe in him so this is where we see that the prayer is not just meant for the people who are listening to his words at that moment this prayer is for anyone who listens and follows after him this was a prayer that jesus said for us today this is not just scripture that we're reading We are reading a prayer that Jesus said on our behalf. We are reading his prayer over us. And may the Holy Spirit help us to feel the impact. The impact of that truth here this morning. In verse 23, what does Jesus use his last precious few words to say? He says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know what? That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Our unity is what shows the world that God loves us and that as much as he loves Jesus. And We learn from these verses that Jesus wants us unified with God and with each other. He says in this prayer that he wants, us, he wants our unity to look like his unity with God. But Janelle, Jesus and God are one. Isn't that what we've been learning this whole time? Yeah, I know, right? I think that Jesus wants our unity and wants his followers to be one also. Does anybody else as soon uh, immediately start thinking of people that it is impossible to be unified with as soon as the command for unity shows up? Like, <laughs> there's only so far we can take this unity thing. I mean, obviously, this is not going to work for every type of people group or political party or gender or ethnicity or income level. And here's what I want to say to that. Yeah, I don't think we need to be worried about taking this unity thing too far. Like, honestly, let's challenge ourselves to see if we can take it too far. Let's see if it's possible to take this unity thing too far. Because the only other person who was accused of taking this too far was Jesus. And that is exactly who we're trying to copy. Let's see how far we can take this unity. Because honestly, what, what have we got to lose here? The God of the universe loves us. He gave his life for us he asks us to believe in him and we'll have eternal life. And before he heads to the cross, before he watches his beloved disciple betray him and hand him over to the authorities, he does not, his last words are not a plea for vengeance. His last words are not a demand for justice. They are not an acknowledgement of betrayal. They are a plea for unity. He knows what the disciples are about to witness. He knows how shocking and heartbreaking it is going to be for the disciples to see their fellow disciple, their brother, their friend, with the authorities who come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus wants unity fresh on their mind for such an occasion. Jesus says that unity is what we should be known for And as heartbreaking as it is, I think that we all know that the American church is not really known for unity. According to LifeWay research, with about 1,400 plus people surveyed, a majority of unchurched Americans, 79%, so about four out of five people who don't go to church, think that Christianity today is more about organized religion than about loving God and loving people. Four out of five. According to the director at Ed Stetzer, he says, quote, what they see the church as is candles, pews and flowers rather than people living out their love for God by loving others. Four out of five people who are not going to church are feeling this way, are most likely feeling this way. Christians, we have got to stop demonizing people we disagree with. We've got to stop. We have to keep their humanity and God's love for them the main focus in our mind. At all times. At all times. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but when Jesus was washing feet at the Last Supper, he washed Judas's feet too. And now on his way to the cross, Jesus is handing us the washcloth. He's handing us a basin of water and he's asking us to pick up where he left off. And we wash the feet of our fellow disciples. And we wash Judas' feet too. As we leave here today, let's remember that this prayer is for us. Jesus has invited us into a relationship that is personal. He's invited us to bring our prayers to him. He has his hand reached out for us to take and his ears open for our prayers. And what a blessing it is that the God of the universe, the king of all, knows our name. And let's remember that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He loves us and he is set on protecting us from evil. And let's never forget the emphasis on unity that is found not only within this prayer, but the whole Bible. Jesus loves everyone. Let's receive that love and be that love to the world around us. And yes, It is discouraging about the way people see American Christianity, and that at this moment we might not really be known for our love, but that doesn't mean it's too late. We can be a part of that change. We can use our voices. We can use our hands. We can use our feet to do everything we can in this uphill battle to make sure people know they are loved. They are loved. We can use our voices to shift the narrative, to bring, bring this back to unity with each other and unity with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Right on? Right on. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for listening to our prayers. Holy Father. We thank you for the family dynamic you have invited us into. Please help us to show unity. Please open our eyes and open our hearts to ways that we can go the extra mile to show that unity. To show how much you love and care for everyone. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the example you set of submission. Submission to what you've called us to do no matter how painful it might be. We know that there's life on the other side of that. And we know that there's life on the other side of that because of you and your sacrifice. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: into your arms is running to Oh, uh-huh.
0: Thank you for being a perfect father. You love us and you're powerful. We receive that love. Help us. Give us the power to show that love. Help us to take this unity thing too far. We give you our lives. Starting right now, we give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's speak this blessing. Uh, together and then if you need prayer for anything I'll be up here I think Mel will be up here as well Um, and uh, if you just want to talk and say hi that's fine too (laughs) we'll pray for you though no I'm just kidding Um, okay so let's, uh, let's speak this together may you see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living may the Lord hold you steady and still in Jesus Christ hold firm take heart in his love there is hope for you go in peace you children of God Have a great Thanksgiving.